Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast Season 5. Never forget that to the best of us, protection's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. Enjoy. Boom. What's up, you guys? Byron Rogers here with another episode of the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. I'm here with the legendary Todd Fox of Tour Protection. How you doing, sir? It's an honor. Good, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. Um, this is going to be exciting, man. You've like, there's like, you've done so much. I'm a lucky guy. It's good to be lucky. <laughs> yeah, good to go. Nah, man. I mean, what? Four going on five books. 148 countries at the time of this document I'm looking at. Um, yes, sir. You know, 25 years in the game. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to dig into some stuff and we're going to go on ahead and learn quite a bit from Todd. And then I got a, uh, an amazing recommendation from Brian. <laughs> Ryan is who you're talking about. Ryan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, solid. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan, he was also on the podcast. Solid dude. He's been awesome, man. He's been a good friend and another solid guy out there in the game. So definitely looking forward to getting into this, man. I mean, it almost blows my mind that like, you know, I just found your stuff. You've been doing this for 25 years. But who's the man behind the work, man? Who are you at your core? That's my always my opinion. Well, let me let me go back a second to address what you just said. Um, for 23 years, we were almost invisible by design, and then COVID happened, and then we started talking more about what we do and how we do it and all that stuff. So there's a very good reason we didn't really want to be known. And then even even with training, it was word of mouth. So uh, things have changed. And um, so anyway. Uh, I think we have a lot of the similar kind of background, um, Marine Corps first, and then from Marine Corps into private security, uh, at the same time fighting in no holds barred at the time, which is now called MMA, um, you know, jujitsu and Muay Thai and kickboxing and all that kind of stuff. And then, um, law enforcement on a SWAT team out of St. Louis, um, and then staying with all the same themes and, um, bouncing around while, while my guys kind of did their business. And, um, here we are. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Amazing background. But like, as a person, like who's Todd, you know what I'm saying? Who's the man behind the awesomeness? Uh, well, I came from, uh, I came from the Midwest, so okay. you, you can't really take that out of me. And, uh, I grew up in a city and then I moved from the city to the county and the county of the country, as I gained more experience, I decided I didn't want to be in the city. Um, but, but I don't think you can take that out of a person. And so I'm, I'm very Midwestern and, uh, you know, I grew up and I don't know, I can't speak to you, but one of the things for me was to kind of get away to have this adventure and I was into fitness and I was into shooting and I love traveling and the Marine Corps was like, I don't, I don't think there's a better thing for a young guy who wants those particular things. So, um, when I saw that that was available to me and I, I wasn't ready to go to, to college at that point, uh, I was just like, Oh, this is it. This is it. And, uh, that spoke to me. It still does, man. You know, uh, 50 years old and I'm still motivated by, you know, fighting and shooting and driving and traveling and learning new stuff and going to new places. And uh, I'm still passionate about that. So, you know, I identify myself by, by those things and, and being driven, man, just being motivated to, to learn. Like I, I don't think I'm anywhere near where I need to be in jujitsu or any type of fighting, uh, in knowledge with respect to security or, or travel or languages or cultural knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm super driven. Yeah. 
No, that's, I mean, you have the accolades of, uh, for sure. What would you say if there was a key? I mean, you said you're 50 and you have, you know, you've done a lot of things. Is there any kind of key or like a few values or maybe even tactics you've used over the years to just stay the course, to stay in this game, you know, and not get hit by any of the roadblocks or landmines that like wipe dudes out, you know? Uh, yeah, that <laughs> there, there are a lot of those, but, uh, in, in my case, I tried to learn my craft. I tried to learn what it was I was doing, but at the same time, learn the guy's job above me, right? Mm-hmm. Tried to figure out what he was doing and how he was doing it. And then just like you would in the Marine Corps law enforcement, you have good leaders, good mentors, and then you have guys that are not capable of being mentors and they try to be mentors. And yeah. I tried to pick up the good stuff and kind of get rid of the bad stuff. But, um, not only that, I, I burnt the candle at both ends. And I hear a lot of people now talking about, don't do that. But, you know, the only way that I was able to train jujitsu, be in the Marine Corps, write a book, uh, travel to all these countries is from burning it at both ends. And, you know, that's the only way you're going to get two or three lifetimes done in one lifetime. So that was always huge for me. And then in terms of the, the opposing side of it, like you're asking what people shouldn't do um, in my estimate, because 80% of our business is entertainment it's to realize you're not the entertainer. You're not the celebrity. It's not about you. You are a service provider. You are the help. And and there are a lot of guys that are confused about that in this day and age. They think they're the celebrity. They're the star. And not only does their bank account not reflect that, but like their, their capabilities, their power, their, 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 uh, you know, uh, longevity, it's not the same. And so if you mistake that you, you lose on all fronts. Yeah. And I think that's a huge pitfall when guys start, you know, trying to roll with a client at a certain level. Um, and I say the same thing, just in case some of y'all are out there being sensitive. You're the help. <laughs> We're the help. Like, don't get it twisted. Nannies, butlers, drivers, PAs. We are one other type of help. And you really, if you're a gangster, you learn how to work with those auxiliary teammates, like the social dynamics, you, you make those, you get those guys on the payroll. You know what I'm saying? Like you're trading cigarettes and Skittles for favors with those guys. You're getting things done. Yeah. I mean, that's, so you're touching on one component that's really, really important in, in our realm, which is personality profiles, like knowing who you're working with, knowing how they think, knowing how they make decisions, knowing how they operate And that gives you a window into how you're going to do business with them. And, you know, you can't motivate somebody by something they're not motivated by. So I have to first know how you think and how you behave and how you make those decisions. So watching instead of talking, that was another lesson, like don't give away too much information, do your thing. And then figuring out what motivates people. And it's different. It's different, not only with personality types, but also in countries and and, and within regions and, you know, even cities to, to, you know, countryside, very different. In fact, uh, I was talking to somebody else about this the other day, but these things go a long way or something like, something like this, right? Like guys will go nuts to get one of those things and it opens gates and all of a sudden I can't get on the tarmac and the guy that is running it is a military guy. And, you know, after a few minutes of talking, I kind of figure some stuff out. They came in, I got some stuff for you. You know, I want to give you this. This is my background. I really respect what you do. And then five minutes later, our vehicle's on the tarmac. Exactly. 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 That's, that's the key. And it's, um, you know, with a little bit of understanding, you know, it can be done. But I think also what you're saying too is man, like, you listen, 
Like, it's not about us. Ask those questions and then listen and let them run, man, and let them expose themselves and, you know, um, and make sure you're not making an adversarial type situation and, you know, keep the egos out of communication, you know, because you can if you at that level, you know, with those patches and badges and things we bring can validate the dude on the tarmac. You know what I mean? Like. And this is like a, a way that we roll. That's just, you don't think about it. You know, you want to make sure your ego is arranged so that you're constantly trying to validate the people around you so that you guys can get on the same team. So they're disarmed. Man. This is, this is yeah, a that's, that's a, that's a, another, a whole nother topic that is really pretty critical because there are some really important things that come from and positive things that come from having an ego and, you know, from, oh, yeah, Marine yeah. Corps, from law enforcement fighting there, there there's a lot of value, but if you're not able to adjust it, to check it, to modify it, to to reduce the signature of it, you know, you're going to suffer for it. So th there are there's a place and time for it, just like violence or any other component. Yeah, no, I, I feel like the ego gets a bad rap, you know, and I tell my guys on my teams like, yo, check it out. We have a healthy ego here. We take pride in certain things. We take pride in being able to make adjustments. We take pride in being able to listen, understand, and implement. Like we take pride in our work product, like in the jersey you have on. You know, take pride in representing your company, your client, yourself. And those things just got to be managed, man. Otherwise, pride comes before a fall. You know, that's the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it can it can hurt you. It can help you. It's kind of like you know drugs and and medication. If you if you're taking it at the wrong time or the wrong stuff, it's going to hurt you. You take it another time, it saves your life. Hundred percent, man. No, I love it. Boom! If you've been enjoying the podcast, I want to encourage you to come and train with me. Train with us, the League of Executive Protection Specialists. We offer online courses so you can train and learn how to take your executive protection career to the next level from the comfort of your own home. Uh, we offer on-ground training on everything from the hard skills of driving, shooting, medical, um, and into the soft skills through the Executive Protection Immersion Course, which is one of the most experiential, learning-centric courses in the executive protection industry. Either way, I want you to become part of the golden standard in the private security industry and join the Brotherhood, the League of Executive Protection Specialists. Go to epspecialist.com and let's do our careers together. I'll see you there. Out. So what would you say real quick was your biggest takeaway from like fighting in the cage? You know, like, I feel like these things make us who we are. Uh, probably for me, what it did is, is change the way I process things mentally in terms of emotions and feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, because I always got nerves, you know, walking to the ring, walking to the cage. And I realized it was just part of the process and it was a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I knew, okay, I get to this point, like X amount of time before the fight, I'm going to start feeling this way. And I'm going to start looking at things a certain way. And I may even question things. Am I ready? Or should I be doing this? Is this the yeah. right time? Is this guy, you know, how's, how's this work out for me? Um, and, you know, I found that I really wanted to um, not just win for me, but like to show my team, like, this is, this is who we are. This is what we're about. And yeah. I was worried about letting them down. And mm -hmm. I found that there's this process that you go through. And if you do it enough, you figure this out, right. Which is like, I'm going to feel this way at this time. 
And here's how I offset it by what I eat, what I drink, who I talk to, what I talk about and, and acknowledge it and say, okay, this it's going to be a feeling, but it's a fleeting feeling. It's going to come and it's going to go. And I'm going to use these breathing techniques. I'm going to talk to these guys who, who've been there and done that before and yeah. I'm going to do these things. And, and through, you know, the mental management side of it, yeah. you know, you're able to overcome anything. And so that was probably the biggest thing I took from fighting and I'm still competing in jujitsu. So even when I go and I'm I'm competing on a national or an international event in the black belt category, I have a lot of people that have expectations and right. I have to manage their expectation. And then I have to deal with the emotions, pre-fight jitters and stuff like that. Still to this day, you know, with, with a bunch of stripes on my black belt, it doesn't matter. It's, it's going to happen. I acknowledge it's going to happen. And then I just manage it. It's part of the process. Yeah. No, I love it, man. So what I hear you saying is like, Emotional intelligence, you know, being such a high quality intelligence, but like the script, um, you know, like the 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 story that you're telling yourself and the way you're the tools you're using is like where you're directing your focus. Like I'm going to interact with people that are going to continue a dialogue that's going to give me power. I'm going to focus on things that are going to give me power. I'm going to observe what I'm experiencing uh, in almost an impartial way and understand that this is part of the process. That understanding changes your whole, the way that the emotions impact you, you know, like this is really valuable stuff, you guys, for working through anything. You might have nerves because you're about to sit with a client, see a new client, work an old client. You should, you should be, you know, sharp when you get ready to work that old client, but these are some pretty awesome tools to help manage all that stuff, man. That's solid. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's it's life changing because it, it affects the way you see things. And when it affects the way you see things, if you can adjust it in a positive light, everything's possible. Any, anything is possible. It's, it's, it's the way to go. hundred percent. How would you, how would you describe touring? You know, like this has kind of been your bread and butter. It sounds like. Yeah, it's about, yeah, it's about 80, 80 ish percent of our, of our income for the company is, is music touring. Outstanding. Probably, uh, you know, if you think about the Marine Corps and you think about doing a workup for something and you think about, you know, getting ready and prepping and doing whatever it is your skills are, and then you have a team of people that are doing that with you. So they have to do that for touring. So before we go out on the road, we have to figure out first who are we dealing with, right? We get a profile on the artist. We get a profile on the fan base. Who are the key players in the realm? So we're dealing with managers. We're dealing with agents. We're dealing with tour managers, production managers, accountants, lawyers, people like that. So who are all these people? How does it all fit together? What is the end objective of an artist for a specific tour? You know, what do they want to do? They want to play theaters as a promotional kind of run where they're selling 3,000 tickets, but they know they can sell 30,000 tickets, but they drive up that demand and the hype and then they come back and do the stadium later. You know, what are we what are we dealing with there? Are we dealing with the person that's talking about politics and religion? That's a problem. Uh, are we dealing with a person that is bringing a bunch of young kids and there's some tone to it that maybe is not super healthy, like it's a sexual tone, but yet kids are coming to it. What are they going to put on poster boards and how they're going to interact uh, with the kids? Um, so we figure out what we got and we figure out what the demographic is and we figure out what the the past history is with that particular group at previous shows, you know, what the stalker profiles are like, what the, the existing lawsuits are like. And we, we devise a plan, right? And that plan basically addresses all of those areas. And then we get a budget and we fit that plan into that budget. And then it gets into kind of day-to-day -day application. So yeah. that, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. What would you say to guys that want to get into that aspect and want to serve that client demographic? 
Uh, I would say starting kind of on the local level is is a good way to see it from a distance. So if they worked for a local company for a few months, uh, a CSC, a staff pro kind of vibe, they saw it from that side. They learned, okay, this is, you know, uh, an access point. This is blow through barricade. This is bike rack. That's a truss. This is upstage, downstage. They learned the vernacular. They ner- learned kind of how things work, how people come and go, how the day is broken down. Uh, and then if they start to learn the inside part of it, like how supervisors do things or how, you know, the money's distributed and, and, you know, where the liability is at. And then the other things, the ancillary things, you know, medics, uh, police, fire, stuff like that, uh, certain codes in that building or, or structure. And then once they do that and they get a good feel for that, you know, they should start volunteering. You know, if they find a tour security guy that comes through that they like and they build rapport with say, Hey man, you know, I'm willing to work for free. You know, I'll come out there and I'll do some OJT with you, um, you know, and I'll support you. And then when they're in that market again, maybe it's regional and they do Southern California, right? So they do, you know, LA and San Diego, maybe they do Phoenix and that tour security guy can get a feel for who they are and what they're about and how they do business and see if, if they're a fit. Because sometimes they may be good at the job, but they're not a fit for that particular company. Right. And, uh, you know, you may have a guy who is, um, you know, uh, super cerebral and he talks to a guy from a company that's security by the pound. That doesn't translate, right? Because their their TTPs and their their, uh, their presence is very different for that person and vice versa. It could be the other way around. So getting a feel for the job and then getting a feel for that group or that company, because basically that's a team and you're going to be operating within whatever their standards are and whatever their protocols are. So when they write up advances for a tour, it might be a 20 page document on how they do stuff. And then you're implementing it. If that doesn't jive with you or you don't respect it, you're probably not a good fit for that group. Right. You know, uh, personality types, another component. So uh, I would recommend that first. And then after that, you know, if that doesn't work out, then to start to talk directly to, you know, promoters, start to talk directly to tour managers, production managers, because they're at some point, they're going to be in a pinch and yep. they're not going to have a guy and they're going to need somebody. And yeah. you're going to be the only yeah. MFer that is in their Rolodex and they're going to call you and say, Hey man, you know, are you still interested in this? And if you are, they may fly you right out and you may start with little to no experience, which you know, it, it's great. It's a great opportunity for that person. It's a horrible thing in the industry that it doesn't have regulation and oversight. But uh, at the end of the day, if you're looking for an opportunity, it's a field with very limited oversight. So it's a great way to penetrate the industry. Yeah, man. No, that's great. That's awesome. Start out volunteering, get on the production side, you guys. It's another way into because, you know, you know, we want to learn how to serve the demographics. We think we want to serve <laughs> from the outside looking in, you know, but get some insight. With that insight and that sweat equity will come relationships uh, in the industry and relationships are literally the equity that gets you everything. Right. And then, you know, latch on to the guys that come through, man, be a solid dude, master your grid square uh, so they can have the faith that you might be able to do that for them, you know, and and then work those relationships. That's awesome advice, man. Yeah. Speaking of grid squares, if they ask you to go get a box of grid squares, go ahead and do it. If you need a hundred <laughs> yards of flight line, go ahead and get that hundred yards yeah, of flight it. line. Get that BFA for the nine, for the M9, man. Yeah, yeah you'll find it. Uh, no, that's great stuff, man. What are you looking for if someone, personality, traits-wise, I mean, you know, I always say I can teach anyone tactics, um, but character is really what I'm primarily concerned with, temperament and personality. But yeah. what are you what are you looking for if someone comes to you and is like, hey, I really want to uh, join your team or be in this Turing game? 
And we've shifted a lot over the years because we had more of a, like a soft kind of group of guys and that shifted over the years. And shockingly, they're less appropriate for a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with. So number one is flexibility. Doesn't mean soft, like, like soft. <laughs> <laughs> Special <laughs> Operations Forces guys, yeah, SF, Marsoc, stuff like that. But but basically normal dudes who are very motivated, who are very flexible, who can deal with a lot of different conditions. That's everything because, you know, we have let me back up a second. You live the life of the person you're protecting. So um, also another thing that you have to understand is that your job is to make sure nothing happens. And the net result of nothing happening is nothing. So you produce nothing. And so you have to be able to articulate that in a way that they will understand your value, even though you produce nothing. So guys that are able to see a situation adjust to it and then present it to people or ideas to people. Those guys are invaluable for us. So people that are flexible, people that are smart and people that are capable, that's everything for us. And if they have that mental fortitude to, to just push through certain situations, another thing I would say, in addition to flexibility is probably a sense of humor because the, the silliness that goes on in the circles that we're in, the things that have no relationship with reality uh, they're constant. And so if you don't have a sense they of are constant. you guys, I just want you guys to really hear this. Cause I get, you know, I get new guys on the job all the time and they're like, blow their minds are constantly blown. And I'm like, Hey bro, different, same circus, different clowns. It's not weird. I got multiple details doing the same thing. Like this isn't weird, but this is the world we live in, you know? Yeah. There doesn't have to be a correlation to reality. Like literally whatever's going on in their head, they're going to try to materialize in, in, in the real world. And and yep. so you're going to be a part of that. And in fact, you essentially, and, and I know people don't like to hear this, but you become an enabler. You're yeah. the one that's helping them get things to do stuff. And hopefully if you're a smart person, if you're a smart person, yep. you're helping them make the best choices. And this comes back to the personality profile, because if I know how you think and how you operate, right. then I can present options to yep. you in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. 100% in a certain way that's uh, tactically favorable for us. And 100%. <laughs> 100% can increase longevity and, you know, and, 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 and make it so we can have a successful operation. Uh, yeah. That's good. So guys that, so wait, it's not like the dude's like sub second draw. It's not like, <laughs> you know, it's hard skills. Yeah. It, it's funny because I love the hard skills. I absolutely love the hard skills. Oh, the skills. It, yeah. You you talk about, you know, shooting and fighting and driving and all of yeah. these things breaching. It's, it's sexy. It's fun. And I'm, I'm super passionate about it, but the job is 90 plus percent choreography and soft skills. It's, yeah, it's 100%, it's organization, it's structuring things, it's putting things in place, it's walkthroughs, it's uh, written advances, verbal advances, it's yep. seeing small details and figuring out how they're going to impact you. Um, you know, I, I, I think about all the details that I've been on. And if I, if I just talk about America, I've never pulled my gun out in America on a detail. Now, Oconus, that's a different story because it's a different condition. But, you know, most of the time, nothing happens. And that's actually probably one of the problems with what we do is yep. that a lot of guys can survive in the realm because nothing happens 99% of the time. And our job is to be insurance for the 1%. And right. in that process, a lot of people who shouldn't be in the job in the first place, they end up in it and they can stay a long period of time where they don't belong. Also, complacency, as you know, is a massive issue because, again, nothing happens. And if I've done this 900 times and, you know, I've had one or two instances, like, yeah, nothing's going to happen. We're good. 
you can't be that way. So you have to mentally condition yourself and, and even developing the skills for that is a whole nother conversation where literally as I'm doing something that's really boring and monotonous in my head, I'm thinking, what if this happened? What if that happened? How would I deal with this? And it's a way of kind of keeping yourself engaged in what's going on. Engaged and a few steps ahead for when it finally actually does happen, man. Um, no, that's huge. Everything you said was huge, man. Cause I, I think too, a lot of guys may fall victim. And this is why I, the slogan for this whole brand is it's more than just a job. It's a lifestyle. Cause there's a lot of guys in this game. I think that might think that, um, you know, nothing happening is a sign of competence. And I think sometimes it's just that nothing's happened. Like you just haven't really been tested yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, the story. Yeah, story. And I know people don't want to admit that. That's one of the things I know I pissed right. off a lot of people by, saying the truth, the truth really irritates people, especially people that are lucky and, and haven't really created anything themselves. They they don't want that being said, but right. that's a fact, especially in the entertainment side. I think it's a fact. You know? 100%. Yeah, man. And, any, and, and our game is exactly what you said, trying to live in that imaginary world of what could go wrong in order to detect it before it happens so that we're there to catch it, stop the bleed, whatever it is before it happens. And Man, you ever hear someone be like, well, that's that's not gonna happen or something like that? Like they're they can't be on your team. <laughs> like they're just not the guy. Yeah, there's uh it, it, it's a fact. There's a thing called normalcy bias, right? And in normalcy bias, that's exactly what happens. You say, Well, you know, planes don't fly into buildings on September 10th, and then September 11th happens. Oh, wait a second. So it, you know, you you have to be thinking through all that stuff. And and you know, we could have a, a two day long discussion on action versus reaction in the pre-planning and moment of recognition and moment of action and trying to kind of reduce that time between those two points. Yeah. Um, but all of that requires training. All of that requires an understanding of what's going on. All of that requires being kind of plugged in to what's going on in your environment and trying to get an early idea on that problem before it unfolds. Because once it unfolds and you're on your heels, that's a bad place to be fighting from. And I think, too, it should be noted that like a lot of all this stuff we're talking about, guys, is soft skills, like my ability to walk in that room and be like, OK, there's the curtain. Here are our seats. How many paces from here to here? Like, where's my ne next hard position? Like all that stuff. This is all soft skill centric, you know, and then the other side of the brain where we talk to civilians and moms and stuff, it's like, hey, if you can really master these soft skills of personal protection and thinking this way, moving this way. You can live a safer pattern of life and hopefully also be a few steps ahead. When that dude does pop that curtain, you've already thought through it, cut down on all that. Is this happening time? I can't believe this is happening time. And you can just implement, you know, and that's, that's the good stuff, man. It's a thinking man's game. It really is. You know, yeah, if, you do it, if you do it right, that's a fact. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that. If you do the job right, it should be a thinking man's game. Your job is based on what's happening in your head, how you see your environment, and how you can implement those skills when things unfold and under stress, right? Because if you can't do it under stress, you're not it, valuable. It ain't worth anything, <laughs> you know. Um, what would you say about like the business of touring, you know? How does that differ, you know, from, you know, your, you know, high net worth family that you're just rolling with as in an ongoing format. Um, any pointers and considerations? On yeah, that? there, there are massive differences between okay. high profile people that are in entertainment and high net worth people or executives or dignitaries. Mm -hmm. um, and with the, the celebrities, one is that a lot of people know them. So if you're looking after Madonna and you're taking her to Abuja, Nigeria, 
every single person that you pass by will know who she is. Whereas with a family or with an executive, almost nobody knows who they are. So everybody's going to get an idea on you, number one. Right. Number two is that there are um, kind of battles that occur, right? And and when I say that, what I mean is if I'm um, entrusted with protecting this person, uh, I want to be low signature, low profile. I want to go under the radar because if you don't know I'm there, you can't attack me, Right. But there's another group of people that are tasked with promoting that person and their presence, namely a publicist, right? And that that publicist wants everybody to know every step of the way where they're going to be, what they're going to be doing. They want still cameras. They want video. They want chaos the exact opposite of what you want. And now we're both hired to do opposing things. So managing that and giving them the exposure they need in controlled spaces, very, very different than any other realm, even, even in sports, when you start to talk about film or music. So um, there are a lot of factors that change with their, their visibility. And then there are other things that become norms. Like let's say you're traveling internationally and you're traveling through airports and you know, you have a drug user, right? Your celebrity is a big drug user. Are you going to take their bag and and carry it through the international airport? And when you do, and something is found in that bag, are you going to be like, yeah, it's cool. I'm ready to go to prison for this person because they handed me this thing. And I knew I had it and, you know, I didn't want to say anything. And so now you're going to prison in Russia for having these drugs. Are you good with that? Right. A lot of, a lot of things to think about on the celebrity side that don't exist in other realms. Yeah. 100%. And and the the money flow, like the cash flow too for the detail, you know, it's like yeah. it's a production. What level of production is it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, that's again uh specific to entertainment. Is it rock? Is it hip hop? Is it pop? Is it like kitty stuff? Is it country? Is it even within in each of these genres is a whole nother kind of uh, social ecosystem and their ways of doing business or, or what would be akin to like TTPs completely yeah. different. You think it's the same. It's not. They're different. They see things differently. They operate differently. Um, you know, I, I can work in one group of people and they hate Marines. They hate law enforcement. I can work in another group of people and they revere them. So, you Know, being able to operate and talk to them about certain things or talk about your past or, or get some buy-in on what you're doing is very different. In fact, you know, you'd be probably well advised to not talk about certain things with a lot of the clients in entertainment because you'll set them off or you'll separate yourself from them in a way that you can't recover from. So, you know, entertainment is just a different animal altogether. And the learning curve, I think, is pretty steep, especially coming out of the military. Like your ability to like, to understand who and what, like it really kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, your, those social dynamics, your ability to understand who you're dealing with, what their value structure is, and be able to gain cultural equity. Uh, these are like survival skills in this game. <laughs> you know, any um, any pitfalls that, you know, that, that take dudes out on tour that come to mind? You know, guys, guys on tour, close quarters. Yeah, know, like- the, the 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 number one thing that I see is them thinking they're a, a rock star themselves, as we talked about. And number two is giving critical things away or not treating key players like wives or kids or managers in a certain way. They they fall left and right with with you know, being nasty toward those people or not respecting them in a certain way or not seeing that that person is intentionally setting up pitfalls for them and they don't, they don't idea. And that happens frequently because, you know, um, it's almost like disinformation where I'm putting something in this tube and I'm seeing where it pops out. 
And, you know, I give you this little piece of information, which is fictitious. And I wait to see. And then all of a sudden, this other guy who only knows you starts saying the same thing that I told you. Now I know. And so, you know, family members, managers, friends, agents who, who don't know you, don't know what you do, don't, you know, the, none of the people really understand the job that they hired you for. That's the truth. Um, And so, you know, they'll test you and they'll do all kinds of quirky stuff and they may not like you for the way you look, for what you're wearing, for what your background is, but somebody else brought you in and they are trying to dethrone you. And so they'll set out traps for you. And it's your job to be able to ID those traps, right? They're booby traps that if you just walk over, you're, you're done. It's, It's so you, you can't think that everybody's a friendly and it's not to be paranoid. It's just the realities of that environment. Yeah. 100% man. I call him the Royal court, man. Cause it's like one of those movies, you know, where it's like everyone's vying for power. They want, you got to pay homage yes. to different people. And it's a very dangerous kind of social environment to navigate. You try to get, these people have been friends with this VIP billionaire, cool kid for so long. They've seen people come and go. Uh, They don't want you to rise to power. There's all these dynamics. So you really have to be careful in how you navigate those relationships. Um, And uh, yeah, I've seen that take a lot of guys out, man. It's just dangerous, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, The other side of that is that those people can be force multipliers for you too, because if you develop, if you identify who they are and you develop that relationship and you figure out how they work, as we talked about with personality profiles. Now, if I need that person to act, me asking them, they're going to question it. They're going to look at it from a different perspective. But if that friend makes the suggestion to them, the chance of them doing it, um, it, it's, it's extremely high. Um, you know, I'm not going to promote my book. You already right have it. Now, if you look at, if you, if you look at this, right. Right. You have to find a way to not directly, to indirectly influence. Um, and, and each camp it's different and the people are different and what they like, what motivates them, what their objectives are. Those are different. There are certain commonalities, but, uh, you know, if you don't figure that stuff out, you're not going to be around long, right? Yeah, man. They call, I've heard it called EP ventriloquism. You know, it's that subversive social engineering that just keeps us keeps us where we want to be, man. And that's that's really that's the Jedi stuff of this game, man. It's awesome. It is. Here's here's the thing, though. The thing is, if you want to do your job, if you want to do a good yeah. job, and you really yeah. want to serve those people. You have to do that. It's not like a manipulation that's malicious. It's not like I want my way. This is what I want to do. In fact, most of the things that I'm advocating for actually aren't good for me. They're not fun for me. I don't want to do those things. But it's what's going to put our client in the best spot and give them the highest probability of success. And so, you know, these... Uh, Jedi mind tricks and in these kind of uh, engineering kind of situations that we get into, they're necessary to achieve your objective. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. No, one hundred percent. That's. Uh, I mean, you. I mean, your principal wants to live his life. You know, he wants to do his things. He wants his media hits. He wants to go to these restaurants in bad neighborhoods in the middle of the Middle East when it's not time to do it. And your ability to be able to move chess pieces and get these things done, get access to that person that you might need, or or steer them in another direction, really does come down to your ability to play this game. And also, when you inevitably make a mistake and you're on the blotter, you know, he's going to look over to his buddy that he's known from third grade that goes on tour with him everywhere and say, what do you think about Byron? Yeah, I mean, like, this dude, like, has stupid headphones on all the time and he made a bad turn yesterday. Like, we, <laughs> you know, and that guy's going to be like, yeah, Byron's a douchebag. Or he's going to be like, you know what? I think he's all right. I think we'll let him grow into the position a bit. And... You get another breath, <laughs> you know. 
Yeah, it, it's it's all of that. It's all of that in a nutshell. In fact, actually, you touched on something that's kind of funny because um, when you talk about going to you know a restaurant in the Middle East, I had a client who decided that uh, during the war he he wanted to go to Syria and do this thing. Yeah, I'm like yeah. you're a rock star. You you can't just go to Syria. So literally, what I had to do was present. Okay, we're instead of going to Syria, what we're going to do is we're going to go over here to Airbill. And there's a five star hotel, and I know a bunch of dudes who I operated there with. Yeah. We're going to get you a detail, you know, through the Peshmerga, and we're going to stay in this hotel. You have nice dinners. And then this group of guys will take over here and we'll go do this thing and come back, and you'll still be able to talk about it and all that, whatever. But you're not going, you're going to live in the lap of luxury in Airbill instead. And, and so those are the kinds of things that, you know, you make that comment, like going to, you know, a dinner in a bad neighborhood in the middle East, that's the norm. That stuff happens all the time. 100% man. That's the game. No, I love it. Uh, you mentioned here systems and strategies. Uh, what would you say about that brother? Well, I mean, that's what you're falling back on. So there are some things that uh, are structure-based, right? Um, and we talked a little bit about advancing, right? And when we talk about advancing and we look at certain systems that you utilize for uh, what you advance, how you advance, how you do walkthroughs, what information you present, what you don't, right. that's huge. And and then even with things like, um, you know, uh, threat vulnerability assessments or risk assessments, those yeah. three separate different things. Uh, those processes, those systems that you use, that you fall back on, those are systematic things that you, it's a plug and play, right? And then you make the adjustment after you're done plugging everything in, you see what you have, and then you make the modifications on the back end. But for us, the systems portion is the easiest part to teach the guys, which is also why guys want to grab it and run, you know, after they leave the company, because you, you have this system in place. It's, it's, you know, it's, um, the thing for me, and I'm, I'm sure you have some of this in you from the Marine Corps, but everything has a process. Everything has kind of like, okay, here's an advance. Here's a restaurant advance, an FBO advance. Here's a this advance. Here's a that advance. Here's a, a, a waiver for a bad barricade. Here's a, you know, whatever. So we've got these 572 templates, but what they just produce is a way of getting information and then looking at it. And then we kind of extract the information that it provides and make the real kind of final plan that encompasses everything together. And then how we're going to kind of adjust on the fly to certain things that are likely to occur. So you like, don't just work out and like get on a jet and like go with clients, <laughs> you know, like oh, it's, it's funny you should say that because I get, in fact, I wrote this, this current book I had written, um, like field manuals yeah. and everybody's like, dude, that's not sexy. Like, that's like, you know what? The job is not sexy. It's a job. Yeah. I'm not the rock star. I try to convey that, but, but on the current book that's out now, protective perspective, yeah. it's literally for those people that need that visual thing of, of what it is you're doing in the process that it goes through. But no, I, I don't get paid to go work out and stand next to a celebrity so that the paparazzi can photograph me. In fact, if, if I have my way, you know, I'm not in the photograph, but <laughs> that's another conversation, but yeah, a lot of planning, a lot of structuring, a lot of conversations, a lot of emails, a lot of walkthroughs. Um, and, and that too gets monotonous. You know, I, you, you can only do them for so long. And for me, it's 25 years uh, before it gets old. But at the end of the day, I still have to do it. I have to be consistent. I have to be disciplined about it. I have to get it done. And, and what I found talking about systems is that if I have to produce this document and share it with the team. It forces me to go through it. Otherwise, if I'm in charge of the detail on the team lead, 
I don't have to produce it to anybody because I'm in charge. But if I, if I make that part of the protocol that you must produce this particular document and share it with the team, and it must be done within, you know, X amount of hours of being on site, it forces me to be that guy that does that thing, even when I don't want to. And, And that's a, that's a good check and balance that, that I put in place many, many years ago. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's like the systems, like first thing I'd say is, yeah, guys, like there's a lot of like schoolboy stuff that goes into this. Like you should be able to produce a solid advance, the right type of advance. Um, you guys should have systems in place to get repeatable results and products that you can all work off of as a team. Like EP is more than just really being a bouncer on tour and things like that. And I really want to make sure people understand that. And then on the leadership side of it too, man, I wanted to ask you, you know, what would you say about creating winning teams? You know, because as a detail leader or a CEO or PPO, you have multiple teams out there in the field operating very often without your supervision. Are there any tactics or systems that you use to make sure those guys are executing at the level you, you that you would want for your brand um, that you've seen that work really well? Yeah. So for us, we have a process on the end, right? So we have a, a course that they go through. We have an OJT that they do. Then they come in as a, a second or third on a detail. And then eventually they get their own detail. So there's that to kind of see how they do business and establish what our protocols are and make sure they carry them out, number one. And then number two, from a distance, I'm still talking to the guys on a regular basis. I'm still checking in with them. And I'm also talking to the client. And one thing guys don't understand is that if they screw up, I'm going to be the first guy to know because the manager is going to call me, the client's going to, the client's going to text me and say, Hey, your dude just did this. And and, and to be, and to be fair, sometimes the guy did nothing wrong. It was an interpretation thing and they didn't understand what he was doing. But a lot of times they're giving information that's really pertinent or I'm going and saying, Hey, uh, Byron, send me, send me the, uh, advanced site survey that you did on such and such a place yesterday. Mm -hmm. And if you can't send it to me, it's a problem. You should be able to hit, hit me up on that. And and in fact, with some guys in terms of oversight, we'll be saying, Hey, CC me on this thing Mm -hmm. every day. You just CC me on this, but phone calls, meetings, and then also your team leaders who are out there talking to them on our, Hey, what's going on with Byron? How's he doing? Is he getting along with everybody? How's, how's his work ethic? You know, is he doing good with the 20 hour days, six days a week? You know, is there anything we need to do? Hey, I'm going to have a chat with him next week. What do you think is important to talk to him about? What do you see out there? So, you know, establishing those supervisory kind of roles and then leaning on the supervisor to get your information about what's happening for the guy at the the task level, right? At the, at the level of execution. Um, that's been really big for us. And then having, you know, an annual or biannual meeting where we sit down and, and talk and go through stuff. And sometimes guys will have a different perspective who are new versus a guy who's been around forever. Yeah. And we get a lot of good feedback because they're trying to think through ways of dealing with the problems that they faced and yeah. they're a different, they're a different head. Right. So sometimes in those meetings that, you know, we're doing kind of debriefs and talking, the guy that's newest will come with something that I just never thought of or nobody else on the team thought of. So yeah. that kind of open line of communication, the meetings, you know, the conversations, the emails back and forth, mm-hmm. and then kind of a, a a debrief at the end of the year, doing something fun, going out, having a good time, you know, building camaraderie. You, yeah. you see these things come out. Also, you see how those guys interact with other team members when it's guys that they haven't operated with uh, and they get kind of tossed in who they should be team members with, who it should be good with. Uh, and then you see kind of if they're going to have a dick measuring contest or what they're going to be doing, you know, so you know that personality a little better. 
Yeah. No, that's good, man. I'm always, you know, I know there's a lot of guys that listen that are always trying to understand those things too, man. And what I really hear you hear you saying is communication, communication and accountability. And, and, you know, as leaders be focusing on the leadership things, the communication, the accountability and attacking the culture, you know, set the culture early as they come up through the pipeline as to how we do biz Lean on your uh, next level of leadership to make sure those things are getting done well. But then the communication part, because you need to understand like the look, the feel, the attitude, the social level of health that they that they yeah. have on task. You know, that, that actually you hit on a really important point because if I build a thing over twenty five years and we're doing thirty or forty tours and we're doing three or four films and we're doing a dozen executives and some uh, yeah. governmental stuff, if we're doing that and I built this over twenty five years, one guy can come in and ruin relationships that have existed for a long period of time. So one thing to understand is you know that vetting process is so significant. If I have a guy who's an alcoholic, then I deal with all the same problems as an alcoholic does. If I have a guy who just can't, you know, handle himself and he's going out and getting hookers all the time, I got that problem. If he's got a gambling problem, I have that problem. If he's got problems at home with his wife and kids or whatever me, I have that problem. So whatever, whatever those people have that I bring in to work for me, I have all of those problems. And And it's potentially detrimental to my company. And so that's one of the things like we found don't keep problems around for a long time. Either you're a fit or not a fit. Do it right. Do it nice. Be kind. Hey, look, we found that you're not a fit for the stores or we're the opposite. Hey, you're, you're doing a great job. We're going to promote you, keep you going. You're a perfect fit for this. So guys have to get recognizing knowledge and or cut out because as you know, with an organization, you let a cancer in and, and it's, it's bad. Yeah, man, dude, this is good stuff. I love it. I love it, man. Um, so uh well another question just on the tactics and principles and we'll get into these books you've written and some of this work that you've done man what would you say about kind of the the mindset of when a guy's going to work you know in this industry what kind of mindset what types of things should be going through his mind you know for me as I mentioned earlier, flexibility is the biggest thing. So thinking about how you would deal with different circumstances um, in different degrees or severity of issues and how you can mitigate something. And I'm looking at things and I say, if if X happens, I'm going to do Y. And then I present different scenarios. So the mindset has to be, I'm coming in, I'm here to solve problems and serve the client. That's first. And I have to have the capability to do it. And I have to be turned on and focused to do that. So the mindset has to be very different than if you were out by yourself, having a beer in your neighborhood. Um, I, I think it has to be vigilant and you, you have to be careful to not be hyper vigilant all the time because you cannot sustain that. And that's one of the things I get guys who are really good, but they just can't keep that level of intensity mentally, even though physically they may be doing nothing. It smokes them so quick. So being able to toggle in environments, understand your risk level. So I don't need to be hyper vigilant, you know, when we're in a controlled space with three or four layers of security, right? Those concentric rings that are already around me, uh, I can relax a little bit more. I still look and I still think, um, you know, but I'm I'm aware, but I'm not hyper vigilant, you know? And matching that environment is going to keep you the camouflage you need to be in that environment without negatively impacting things and getting rejected from that environment in a lot of cases. Yeah. And, and, uh, as, as I'm sure you've heard many times, you know, uh, the adage of just look cool and that's not 
that's not to say like to be a cool guy and I need to be, it's yeah. to keep yourself calm is to make sure that you're not presenting a certain image. It's to be relaxed. It's to be confident. It's to be present. Um, and that's another, uh, a challenge. And I'll tell you, even for me, having done this forever, it's a challenge for me is to be in the moment. Because when I look at what I'm doing, I'm thinking about the lessons learned of the past and I'm looking forward to what could potentially happen. Both of those spaces are not in the present. And so taking lessons from the past, thinking about what could happen in the future, but then being present to be able to implement it, right? And we talked about that something happens, you know, you, you need that moment of recognition and that moment of action to be very short. Yep. So in order to do that, I, I need to be in the moment, right? It, my response is going to be way better and, and my early idea will be there. So that's another thing in terms of mindset, trying to force yourself to be to the present when you can and adjust to, you know, the environment that you're in. Yeah. And the the entertainment realm, they're going to take you through all kinds of environments and some are going to be very uncomfortable, right? You're going to go, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a straight dude. So I am not particularly comfortable when you send me into a gay bar with a bunch of guys that are greased up flexing and then rubbing on people. I, I'm that's not my environment. So I'm not used to that environment. And with that said, I have to operate in the environment. My, my job doesn't change at all. Right. I have to still do the same things. I have to adjust to it again, flexibility. You know, yeah. my job's the same. I'm good. Now I'm in this realm. I got to do what I got to do. doesn't matter, you know, what my opinion is. This is where I'm at. And you're right. going to go in and out of those realms. And you're going to go into a realm where I was talking about. You go, oh, we're going to Syria. Like, wait a second, you're a rock star. Why are we going to Syria? And you're going to go to other realms where no one's around and you can't have this hard, heavy posture. You need to relax. Right. You need to go at the furthest distance that you can to do your job still. So they don't have to introduce you. So they don't, nobody feels like you're in their space, um, you know, in that ebb and flow. But again, most of that comes from, you know, the mindset, like where you see yourself, what you see your role as being. Uh, and a reminder from my guys always is they don't know what your job is. You, you can't wait for them to tell you what they want or where they want you to be or what they want you to be doing. You have to do that yourself. You have to task organize yourself and you have to assign yourself a function. Mm -hmm. there's so many titles man they don't know what your job is ep jedi you know what i'm saying yeah. i love it but why why would they you know like if you asked me about you know certain functions of um the music, music industry like if we talk about pro tools right this this uh, software that people are using to manipulate what you're hearing I have no idea what it takes to program that or what the inputs are or even how it functions so if I hired a guy to do Pro Tools, I'll just say, you you know, Make it sound good. you have this experience. Yeah, go out there and do the thing you do. And yeah. that's the case in our world. All they know is what they see. They don't really know what your job is. So they just know they see this dude and he's a big dude and he's standing next to the artist. And therefore, that's what the job is to be there and be an intimidator. And in fact, the job is the opposite of that. But they don't know that and they don't see what's going on behind the scenes. And the truth is you know, unless you educate them, they're never going to know. And there's value in showing them bits and pieces of what you do. There's going to be a tolerance because the shit will bore them. Most people don't want to hear everything you have to say about security. They're going to be sleeping. But if you show them little glimpses, they become curious and they also start to develop a certain respect for you that otherwise they wouldn't. If you're just a big dude, I don't really respect you. But if you're doing all these little things behind the curtain that I didn't know you were doing. Yeah. All of a sudden, I got a little more buy-in from this person because they're like, oh, wait a second. I didn't know that. I, right, right. And that's cool. This improves the quality of 
my mission. Like this improves my, empowers me to do my mission. This improves the quality of the overall product I'm able to render or that my teams can render having this guy here, you know, um, man, when you can start showing them how you positively impact their thing, you know, bangerang, you know, <laughs> you're doing good work, man. It's massive. They they can feel it. They can see it. And guess what? That person doing the job, whoever that provider of, of protection is, they'll feel it. They'll feel the buy-in from the other people. And and conversely, if they're not doing a good job or something happens, they're going to feel, that, yes, everybody's going to distance from them. Even if they didn't do anything wrong, the perception of that is everything because you're talking about a realm where everything is smoke and mirrors. So they're not digging deep to find out what reality is. They don't care. It's the optics of something that they're worried about. That's what they get paid to do is, is to create a feeling using these false things. They create a feeling in people that's, that's fleeting, but people pay to have that feeling, to listen to music, to watch a film. Film, whatever it is. And so that's the realm that most of the people operate in. So just the idea that you could have done something is enough to make you pariah and yep. you will feel it immediately. 100%. Yeah. You'll feel them bring you in or you feel them push you out. This is, this is the good stuff. I hope you guys are taking notes, man. Also known as proxemics, right? Like proxemics, you, you yeah. absolutely feel that happening. People yep. drawing, pulling toward you, people starting to kind of push away from you. Um, it's a real thing and it happens and it, it's, it doesn't matter if you are right or wrong, it happens and it's going to affect it. And so you're going to have to take corrective action if the bad side happens. And if the good side happens, maybe that's the time to present, you know, what it was that you were worried they wouldn't accept, you know, cause yeah. that's the time that they're, they're going to give you a favorable response. Yep. 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 Man, that, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, man. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong, man. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not what you know. It's what you can prove. It's not what you know. It's what the client believes. Yeah. You yeah. want to, it, you want to go it, home. <laughs> you know, this is you know, guys, this is why when I say to guys, like, it's hard to transition from the military, they don't get this stuff because, you know, we're looking at what's right and what's wrong. Right. And when you come into this realm, no one cares what's right or wrong. No it's, it's, it's the, yeah, it's the optics of the thing. And, you know, what your standing is within that group is based on the optics and that, you know, that, that power figure, whoever it is, if it's, if it's the artist themselves or if it's a manager or whoever it is, what their perspective is of you. So this is something that's very difficult to articulate and we can be talking about this all day, but the guys listening, unless they've been in it, they don't really get the depths of this. You yeah. Know? It's so important. Yeah. Gents, this is the good stuff, man. hundred percent. So man, I mean, Huge demonstration of value, lots of wisdom already in this episode. Let's talk a little bit about these books and then and then into what it is you're working on now. You know, all access, protect what was it, protection and humanity. These yeah. sound like deep titles, man. Protective. Yeah. So well, it 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 gets there. The the first one happened because when I came from the Marine Corps into the protective world. Um, I had guys who were giving me bad information, who were pushing me out. I, I was the only American on a, a Brit team uh, with a very, very high profile client. And there was nothing that I could find to read on EP relative to touring. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all the books that are out there and all the training that I had been done was really for an executive or, or maybe a diplomat, right? So, um, you know, I had, had done all this stuff at the time, read all the stuff at the time, almost none of it translated. So right. after a while in the business, we had these guys who were asking me like, Hey, what do I do? How, how is it best to approach this situation? Lots of questions. Cause I had about 10 years and it's about 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to write a book on basically what the general 
broad stroke TTPs are for tour security. You know, who are the key players? What do they do? What's your role? What are the things in your environment? You know, nomenclature, um, you know, what does your day look like? What's the timeline? Like, what are your responsibilities? You know, what, what do you need to bring with you for, for clothing? You know, what are, what are the physical needs and, you know, what should you be able to do? What are the hard skills and soft skills? So I put that out as the first book in tour security and that was called all access. It's very simple, uh, very basic book. And, and for people watching, they can have a look at what the book is like, right? So the book is thin, and it gets and into stuff. Effects, right? it, it it gets into um, some things that are a little bit deeper. I don't know if you're familiar with Carver uh, for a, th- a threat matrix, uh, but that comes from you know initially the intelligence community, now a bunch of governmental uh, entities use it. So it gets into some of that stuff, but just kind of a, a cursory overview of it. Um, but to give guys an understanding of what you should know and how you should be able to do it, even things that are really simple, but no one really talks about, is you know setting up a credential board, right? Passes. How do passes work and how do you establish that? And what should they look like? And where do they go? Like simple, simple stuff. So it's not meant to be, you know, something that's, you know, crazy advanced. It's meant to give people a view into that world. But those fundamentals, those fundamentals make all the difference. When you got people walking by you with different color passes and you know, you're playing Russian roulette by stopping them, you're going to wish you had that board with all the plastics. (laughs) You're going to wish you had that one piece makes all the difference. If you screw up once you, you might not get an opportunity to screw up again. So it's, it's a pretty big deal. So I had um, written a book for a governmental agency on, um, uh, force instruction, basically, mostly ready use of force and defensive tactics. And then that didn't get put out because I had to deal with that organization. Um, so that went away. That will actually come out in a civilian format uh, in June. We'll talk about that in a minute. That's called underpinning. That's another story. Um, but the the book that was out um, about two years ago is called Protection for and from Humanity. Now, this book of all the books that I've written is the book for anybody that is interested in this realm to buy. Um, This gets into all the different ideas and concepts and strategies for a security professional. So when you start to look at stuff, um, you know, this gets into doing assessments and identifying different things and, and simple stuff sometimes like Cooper's color codes or getting into, you know, combat hunter program stuff, the baseline anomaly and things like that to getting into, you know, motives for human compromise mice and some of those things. It gets into SWOT and, and carbon analysis and observation and proxemics and all that stuff. But then it gets into very specific things with layered security approach and shooting and driving and fighting and, and psychological components and the value of, yes. So it's awesome. a super, yes, it's all encompassing. It's, it's a really good book for people that in particular don't have a lot of military service or a, a lot of uh, time on say a, a law enforcement SWAT team stuff like that. That book is is a no nonsense, no frills field manual. That's what it is. And so if you're interested in that, and you're serious about that. You're like a security nerd. It's perfect. But most people aren't. And so what happens is people are like, dude, you didn't have any photos. I didn't see this. I didn't see that. Like, nope, they're just diagrams. It's not about that. It's the thesis. They want- Yes, but they want the sexy, right? That's what they want. Sexy sells. It's the field manuals like, dude, what what do I do with this? Like, well, one, try to learn from it by reading it and trying to apply some of the the strategies in there. Or if you really can't understand anything, then you pull the papers out and you use them to wipe with if if that's what it's got to be. Or it's, it's, you know, it's uh, tender for for making a fire if if that's what it's got to be. But um, as a dictionary, as a cheat sheet, bro, when you get some weird, your client wants you to do something, you're like a little squibbly about it. Like uh, you go in the, the, you look it up in the book, man. And, you know, homework. 
you, that, that's the thing is there's so much information in such a small space. No one gave me these things. Like it's, it's a collection, right? You, you over the years of doing things, you acquire information and knowledge and you figure out what works, what doesn't work, why it works, why it doesn't work. And you start to accumulate these things. And so the idea of this is to shortcut the process for people. Like I'm asking, especially with the first book, what did I not know? Having gone through these EP courses, having gone through PSD with Blackwater and groups like what did I not know? And there was a ton of stuff I didn't know that nobody told me, nobody showed me. Yeah. So that was the the approach that I took. Now, now, the book that's out now, Protective Perspective, looks like this. And now this is sexy. Yeah, right. the, the other books are like clean. And, everything, you know? I was about to tell you that, actually. You beat me to the punch. <laughs> so, you know, I had these other books that are white with a little black and a little red. But this one is the black book with, with the hand pulling the strings, right? I love so, it, man. It's so good. I wish I came up with it. It's, it's so good. <laughs> And you can see the backside of it, right? The the artistic version of the hands in the crowd there. A little weird though. Some people think it's Auschwitz, but uh, it's not guys. It's it's an audience. So yeah, this book is all about the pictures. It's all about showing those things behind the scenes and how things work. And, uh, you know, when we look at stuff, something like this, right? Visual cues and how I give information without, you know, talking to somebody, right? I take, I got gaff tape. I got uh, red or pink gaff tape that's high visibility. I put it at eye level. I put it down on the ground for an emergency. So now you can see it at eye level walking around, or you can look down on the ground because something's happening high up or there's smoke in the air and you're crawling. Uh, what does it say? Well, it says GTFO, get the fuck out. So <laughs> I know that that's an outward leading path to get me out of there because for people that don't know, we work in mazes. We work in these yeah. big mazes. Wow. Yeah, that's what it is. So, you know, we got pictures for people, uh, I'll give you another one that I think probably most people don't know. We're we're looking at here some medical stuff. We're looking at things like deconfliction. Like most people, are like deconfliction. What are you talking about? Like I'm putting these emergency lights on the stage, and they're blue in color. And when these blue beacon lights go off, what does that mean? If if there's yeah. blue lasers going through the crowd, it's just part of the show, right? So I have to deconflict it with what exists there. I mentioned this before, but this isn't. One of them. So personality profiles, right? So if I look at that guy's wheel, we have yeah. truck drivers, like 30 truck drivers. What does that tell me about that truck driver's personality? If he's got eight inch spikes coming. coming. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I know a little bit about him just by looking at that. Right. Or um, let me see if I can find one that's maybe more pertinent. It's one of the reasons I waited so long to get tattoos, exposed tattoos. I was like, that's going to. Absolutely. So Right here, you're looking at the inside of a tour bus. How am I going to live on a tour bus? What's it look like to to be in this little coffin bunk? And you may know from being on a ship, right? You're you're in this rack and you're six racks high or something. Yep. So on tour buses, what do those look like? What's it like to live in those spaces? On a jet, what's it like? How do things work? How do you go to the bathroom? What do you do? Or, or like on a tour bus, you can't drop a deuce. That, that doesn't work. Knowing right. those little kind of things will save you a lot of public embarrassment and in, in uh, keep you from being ostracized, hopefully. But uh, this has, or what? Or fired, or fired. Uh, well, uh, I would say in many tours, if 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 you dropped a deuce on a tour bus, you'd be gone. Yeah, that's man. just unacceptable. I've been on private jets where if you fall asleep and fart on accident, you got to wake up and put the hand sanitizer naps in front of in front of the vents. Yeah. You got to you got to stop the bleed, man. Yeah, <laughs> th and this is this Get is on. the reality, right? Yeah, so, boy. 
you you say that and people are like ha 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 but like no man that's that's a real deal um yeah so this this book is basically structured in a way where people get a peek behind the curtain which is part of the title um so you get a photo and then you've got a little summation kind of that tells you a little bit about that area and and we do a pretty broad kind of gamut of of photos and information but it's a little sexier because people have that visual content right and people remember what they see visually like on on average Three days after you look at something, you can remember it at a level of 60%, 60% retention for that. Whereas if you're reading something in a book, your retention is way less. So this we found is what people have been interested in seeing and without giving away, you know, all the really important details, but giving a peek behind the curtain, this book does it. Nice, man. And that's awesome. Like that's the stuff that gets me fired up because that's going to make the industry better. You know, and like you were saying, there was nothing like that. When I started, I started the podcast because I was just like, like I had a couple of good mentors that kept me alive. And then I was just like, well, where's the information? Like, how do people get to do this? Well, and there just wasn't anything. And I was like, I think I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to start having conversations with guys who are out there doing it on here. Obviously we mind OPSEC, but there's a lot we can talk about. And, you yeah, know, but, but, but I don't think that's it. That's been an argument for a long time. Here's the deal. I can mention things and talk about things without giving it away. Right. And I, I think the idea that this is TSSCI is, is ridiculous. It's not, it's, 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 it's really not, uh, right. you know, this is about day-to-day stuff, stuff that you do in your life, guys who are not even properly trained, who possess these skills. How can you say that, you know, it's some top secret shit. It's not the, it's not. the, the reality is it's just unknown. And because it's unknown, you want to act like it's something that it's not. And if you know this yeah. and you're honest and you're not trying to sell sexy, you'll right. realize that it's, it's, it's normal guy stuff. Yep. It's just put into context for what it is that needs to be done. It's it's basically right. changing how you view it. So it's right. the information kind of creates these lenses that you can move in and out of focus with. Right. Um, but and but I agree, there's not enough out there. There's not right. enough out there. The more that is out there, and I'm not. This is not a tell-all book. There's there's there are not photos uh, of the artist partying and going places and doing stuff. It's, it's not that it's about security right. and it's about the day in and day out kind of job. And all of, all of the books are, um, yep. and I'm not giving away something they couldn't Google, but they don't know what to Google. Right. So how are they going to Google this thing? If they don't even know what it is, if, if I say deconfliction and you're like, what is that afflicted? Is that some type of religious term for somebody that's possessed? Right. Like what, what, yeah. what is that? You don't know what I'm even talking about. So these books create a sense of awareness and yeah. then you can go investigate further. And if you want to take a, a, a two week course on one component of this, great, go do it. Yeah. I can talk to you about driving or shooting or fighting, but it doesn't make you a good driver. It doesn't make you a good shooter. It doesn't make you a good fighter. You have to go put in the work and it's not secret. Anybody can go do it. Yeah. 100%, 100%. And what I, what I, I wouldn't say I'm afraid of, but fighting is the guy who has the job and is not implementing any of this and then makes us all look incompetent. And then I show up and they're like, Oh, it's just another like kind of Jack black guy. He's our security. And then I, and then my relationship with the client is like a girlfriend that just got out of an abused relationship. You know, (laughs) know, it's like, you got to like re-educate and construct their whole perception of a hundred percent. 
the industry norm is is exactly what you just articulated. That's yep. the industry norm. And yep. it's embarrassing if people ask you, and like if you have a valid background that's that's deep in security yep. and you come from these other realms doing, you know, higher risk security in crazy places and you're operating at that level. If you say, Oh, I do tour security, I do this kind of entertainment-based security, people are like, mm, okay, that's yeah. the bottom of the barrel. Right. And that's bottom of the barrel because there are a ton of guys that have managed to get in who have managed to somehow fool people that don't know what the job is. And right. when they get a taste of the difference, man, I'll tell you, they will never let you go. They will yeah, never let you go. Yep, 100%, man. So, guys, be that taste of the difference. And that's what this whole thing is about bringing honor and respect back to what it is we do, you know, like, our clients aren't telling their dentists, their doctors, their lawyers, or even their lawnmowers necessarily how to do their jobs. You know, that happens a lot in security, you know? So when you're looked at as a specialist, that happens a little less, you know, hopefully. So yeah, this is good stuff, man. Okay. Some closing questions. Um, this has been awesome. Um, let's see here. Favorite quote, mantra saying. Oh man. I, I, I think right now, like when I start to look at different things, it's it's less about quotes for me. It's more about kind of systems and processes. So I'm I'm getting into different scientific components and stuff. So I have all these experiences and then I don't know how to say articulate them, right? So one would be um the Dunning-Kruger effect. Are you familiar with that one? No. Basically, the in a nutshell, it's you don't know what you don't know. Basically, there's a higher degree of confidence by people that have a limited amount of information versus people that have a high amount of information who know that they don't know that much. And that's the scientific formula for that, right? So that's a really cool one. Yerkes Dodson in, in um, performance, right, versus pressure, because you see people perform at different levels. So they're, they're thresholds are different for pressure, but trying to find that flow state with the Yerkes Dodson law is, is another one that has been really fascinating for me looking at that in depth um, and trying to find that perfect point where I have the the pressure for performance and I meet it, but I don't go over it so that I'm overtasked, which we kind of talked a little bit about when we talked about, you know, people being in a hyper awareness state for too long. Yeah. Um, That's a key to like performance and longevity too, man. Like hundred percent. And how much pressure do I perceive from the task set in front of me, which probably has to do with my competence as well and, and, and experience. This is very interesting. Yeah. That's self-imposed, right? Like a lot of times you perceive it a certain way and it, let's say, and I'm just going to make it really simple for me. If say it's fighting and I'm worried about a guy punching me or kicking me or choking me or throwing me. If I've done that a million times, I'm like, okay, so if we're going to fight. We're going to fight, whatever. I'm, I'm good. Um, same with shooting, same with driving. So those, you know, um, those high risk, low frequency events can be tamed through training and experience. And even if you don't have the experience and you have a lot of that training, you can offset it. So those things have been cool. Um, Bader Meinhof, it's another one. You know, are you familiar with Bader Meinhof? No, nah, man, <laughs> I'm in school right now. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all good stuff. So instead of just, you know, giving you a bunch of quotes, I give you some systems and people can look this stuff up and, and if they're interested in it, they can geek out on it or not, they can just curb it. But, um, Bader Meinhof basically is something you're very familiar with already, which is that the more that you talk about something or think about something, the more you'll see it in life. For example, if you and I talk about like, you're going to go buy, um, a new Ford or excuse me, a new uh, Chevy Tahoe. Uh, and you know, you've never had one, you've never looked for them on the road. And we have this conversation about it. We look up online. It's the coolest, newest car. No one's got it. 
But then- yes, <laughs> yes. So you, we have this conversation about, we talk about it for an hour, two hours. You go out and drive on the road. What yeah. do you think you're going to see? It's yeah. not that they weren't there before, but you weren't tuned into that specific thing. And so these phenomena are really important in security and protection, because if we condition our mind, we're going to look and see stuff that otherwise we wouldn't see. Right. And, and that's a big deal. Uh, people don't know what they don't know. Right. And they, they can't see things that they're untrained to see. Right. And then performance wise. Okay. So those are the three factors we talked about performance wise, knowing kind of where you're at on that bell curve and then figuring out what offsets it or shifts it. Yeah. Those are three important things. So those are areas for me that are interesting versus just giving you a quote. No, that's awesome. And then on that last one where, you know, like your reticular activation system is now hyper aware of these things, you're looking for these things, you know, then it's having the right tools. If everything looks like, uh, if you got a hammer, everything looks like a nail, that's a problem, you know, but if you have other means to solve those problems in high quality ways, that's where like these books come in handy and, and, and really continuing learning comes in handy, you know, so you're not that officer that's shooting before you shoot, or you're not the EP guy that's getting physical before you should when like a social dynamic approach could just solve it. You know, you, you bust out some verbal judo instead, man, or you just move to a certain, you make eye contact with the person, <laughs> you know, in, in, a, in a way, yeah. you know, so this is, dude, this is good stuff. This is mad cerebral. I, I love it. Um, what's a good habit that you want uh, protectors to consider that makes them better protectors or even something that makes people better people that good people are good protectors. I, well, I agree with that statement. Um, but probably for me, being able to deconstruct things and then have those pieces, figure out how each of those pieces works. And this is on every level. So let's say you're going into um, a, a restaurant with a client and you're looking at servers and they have certain things. They're wearing certain shoes or they have certain tattoos or their their postures a certain way or, or their, their eye contact, the way their eyes move. Understanding those things are critical, right? Like I know how my clients' fans behave and what they look like and what tattoos they have. And they can they hit score, you're like, oh, we got yeah. we got and some fairness. <laughs> that's it. So I also if I did my advanced work, I already have a relationship with the restaurant, the general manager, the owner, whoever it is. And and then he um, you know, assigned Sally to be the waiter. I say, hey, Bob let's move Sally out, bring this guy in. Cause Joe blow over here, he's like 80. He doesn't know who they are. Maybe he's not quite as good, but he's not going to fanboy out on the client and stuff. Sure. So, um, by using deconstruction, it helps me better understand the, the totality of things. Right. So I start to look at stuff and break it down. What are the parts in this particular subject? And this can be any aspect of security. I take it apart and then I see where else those parts are and see what the corollary value is. And then I bring that into my system and it's whole. And, yeah. and that's been a huge, huge tool for me, especially when I go to places that I don't know super well. Uh, maybe I don't speak the language. I don't know the culture that well. I don't have great contacts in that particular country. Those little tiny nuances have made the difference for me. 100%, man. Because you can use a cat's paw in your environment that has the the knowledge and the influence and can do it without you even we're back to the ep jedi 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 stuff you know it's all like, about the jedi stuff man it's yeah. all about the jedi stuff and think about what that prevents i mean in terms of of not just uh, headaches and problems and keeping your job but you think about lawsuits you think about imprisonment you think about all of these things. i mean even worse like you you made a bad idea on somebody and you took someone's life that 
wasn't doing the thing you thought they were. So now you took their life. Now you're in prison. Like it's, and it's just, it's a mistake. It is a mistake. Or you step up to someone, you throw a block when you shouldn't, it turns into a big thing. And your clients, like your principals are looking at you. And now there's a thing happening at the end of the dinner table or, or, you know, with you, just a thing happening with you, (laughs) you know? Uh, Yeah. We don't want things happening with us. Yeah. And that's a better example because those kinds of things unfold all the time. And so these little tiny mechanisms that you can put into place will prevent that. And, and if you don't have that particular issue, it can't become something that's exacerbated into something that you end up losing your job over. Yeah, 100%. Ah, Awesome. Good stuff, man. I love it. I hope you guys are taking lots of notes. Uh, And then finally, man, you know, how do you want to be remembered, Todd? What's it all for in the end? Mm, That's a good question, man. As I get older and closer to death, I I think about that more often. But uh, I certainly want to be seen as someone who took things in and then was able to give things back. So anything that I learned, I try to give back to guys that are coming up. I try to spend as much time as I can conveying or transferring knowledge to another person so that they're not in the same spot I was. Um, I think that's, that's the reality of it, whether it's uh, protection or if it's fighting or, you know, any capacity, hopefully that's what people remember of me. Yeah. That's huge contribution, contribution centric, man. Those are the guys, man, that, I, I, you know, even as starting off as like a not that cool five, nine kind of chubby dude, like I just remember being like, how can I do anything of value? And it's like, dude, your contribution, find a way to contribute, man. That's a way to live life, man. And you've done that in a lot of different, I mean, you know, close to five books rolling, you know, I, I really honor, want to honor you. And it's an honor to be able to have you here and to kind of canonize and crystallize a lot of this stuff and your knowledge. And so, man, it's been awesome. I appreciate it, man. It's good, good chat. Heck yeah, awesome. Well, do you have anything else you want to say before we before we uh, lock this thing out? Where can people? Of course, I do. There you go. That's a good one right there. (laughs) Our company's website is Tour Protection. T O U R Protection dot com. Uh, the current books on there, you can get the other books at at Amazon and Apple and all of that. I don't recommend the current book in e-format. It's available in e-format. I don't recommend it. It's a visceral experience. It's got really thick pages. It's got like a velvet texture to it. And it's something to experience on a page side by side. Um, The other books, I think you can get in e-format, but um, go there, tourprotection.com for the paperback book, or you can go to the other places for an ebook. Um, and then on Instagram, we just started Instagram, uh, I want to say at the beginning of COVID. Um, before that, we had zero social media, which was a beautiful thing. Uh, so on Instagram, we're at tour training. So, you know, for us, it's, it's touring and traveling and training. Those are the things that we do. So at tour training on Instagram and tourprotection.com for all the other stuff. So you get a little sight into some of the clients that we have. If a client lists us, we will list them, which means most of our celebrities are on there, but uh, we don't have any executives because they don't list us. We don't have any dignitaries. We don't have any uh, you know, governmental bodies uh, because they don't list us, which is a great thing. Yeah, 100%. And it's good to make that distinction so guys don't get you know confused and do it the wrong way. So yeah, man, awesome. Well, Todd, dude, great, great uh, interview, sir. And uh, much love and respect. Glad we're connected. You know, you need anything, you know, you can holler at me and, and I'm sure vice versa, man. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yo, ladies and gents, little cheat code, the latest and greatest don't hate us because you ain't are not us. Anyways, check it out. My C-A-M-C-K is 
a great tool to make any weapon that you have sitting in your safe woo, into much more formidable tool, right? Multiple points of contact, throw it right on optic on the top. Uh, you got a little light there. You got thumb rests. You can adjust them to fit your. So if you haven't seen them, check out CAA MCK. Take those pistols you have in your safe to the next level. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember, y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. To support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place. Do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can because it makes all of these things possible. Thanks for those contributions.